Well, amen, and thank you. Paul on his way to Rome. Now, you remember, there was a wind visor in effect, and the centurions didn't listen to it. And um, they've been caught off guard. Uh, they were blown uh, about 475 miles off course from their original plan. And they were all on the boat thinking they're going to die. Dire situation. The scale, the, the, they, they were going 14 days without food while working. Can you imagine that? That's, uh, that's tough for us to ma- uh, fathom with uh, all our, uh, our abundance we have here in the United States, isn't it? I mean, we throw away more food than, uh, than most people get to eat, and it's crazy. And to think about starving in such a way that you're 14 days without food because they're afraid they're not going to have enough to get to. And then when they've eaten, they start throwing the, the grain overboard. Not that they can process it anyways. They start throwing their food overboard because they're afraid they're going to sink. They're so afraid that they're trying to get on this, the, the, the boats and run away from the problem. Let's, get, let's run away on, this, on, the, on our rowboats. Let's, let's get away from this. They're scared. They're scared. They're, they're in a terrifying, horrible spot. I, I think of other passages in the scriptures like the, um, those sailors in the book of Jonah, right? Where they're throwing it all overboard. This is a, a big storm. This is bigger than the storm in the time of Jonah. Of course, there's probably been some improvements made to shipbuilding since then. But still a bigger storm than that. And they're praying to whatever gods they're praying to. It says the, the sailors are praying for daylight. Because apparently they were just praying that they would make it to daylight, more likely. They knew how long darkness was. It's not like they were dumb. We like to make ancient people dumb in our minds, but that's not how it worked. They knew how long daylight was. They're praying for daylight. They're praying that they'll be able to see some land when the light comes on. Because they can't, remember, this is before flashlights. They couldn't just shine some flashlights out there and see, you know, 2,000 looms and whatever and see what um, radar said or when the land was, they were taking fathoms, which means they were dropping a rope overboard and seeing how long it was till it hit the bottom. And I said, well, we're getting closer because this one's less than this one. So you really didn't know how close you were to land until you like got on land in the darkness. How many of you guys have been in total darkness? I'm not talking about like, hey, our house lights went off. Total darkness. Go to like the caves, like Carlsbad Caverns, Mammoth Caves. You go out in these caves and like the tourist guides always like to just flip the lights off. 
So you can see like that you can't see your hand when it's here. And even if you had a torch, how big of a radius does that shine? They can't see the land. They're, they're in the storm. They're way out course. It's dark. They have no idea. They think land is getting close. They're going without food. They're probably getting a little delusional. Because that's what happens when they go without food and very little water. You start seeing things. And Paul, through all of this, he says, remember there's 276 people on this boat. It's not like it's Paul and a few centuries. There's 276 people in this boat. We just need to stay calm. Think that helped? He says, take some food. Let's eat. Get your bearings. But don't leave the ship. If you leave the ship, God's not going to protect you. Think about that. If you run away, try to solve it on yourself, God's not going to protect you. You have to stay here. And these men, these sailors, they probably are not believers in the Jewish God, but they know Paul is. Now, the, the, the centurion is probably a polytheistic man, which means he worships lots of different gods. So one more God, Jewish God thrown in there is not really that big of a deal to him. You can throw another God in there. When you worship many of them, why not throw another one in? That's why some pantheons have thousands of gods, because why not? So they say, well, Paul says, God, my God, is going to protect us, but we have to stay here. And he says, and, and imagine that, that the, the courage that it takes Paul to say, it would have been tempting for him to say, you know what, I think I'm just going to leave, and you guys can deal with it here, and I'll be safe, because God's going to see me safe. God tells Paul that I have to go to Rome. You must stand before Caesar, the messenger says. And behold, God has granted you all those who are selling with you. You must go before Caesar. Paul's facing two storms right now. Not just the storm that he's physically in at the moment, but he's got to go before Caesar, which he knows he very well could lose his life at. What do you think the temptation was for him? To be lost at the sail? How many of us would have taken that path, right? I could have been lost. You guys don't have to see me ever again. But Paul says... I must go before Caesar. And because I must go before Caesar, because God is merciful, the 276 of you who have nothing to do with it are going to be saved. Wow. But can you imagine the trust that is involved with that? 
the trust that he's showing God and saying, we're going to make it through this storm. We're going to make it through this time with no food. We're going to make it through this, this time to Caesar where I will make my testimony and God's will will be done no matter what that is. I think about that. I think, do I have that kind of trust? I mean, that's obviously what we've got to be asking ourselves, right? Do I have that kind of trust? When the storms of life, it's easy when we're sitting in the pew, right? It's easy to have faith in God and say, yes, I trust God. As long as my car worked all right this morning and I got here okay and, you know, there's nothing wrong with the church and the person I wanted to sit next to was here. and the, It's easy, right? When life is going fairly well. But when storms hit, Oh, the devil's just attacking me. Oh, God must, I love this one, God hates me. It's a storm. The psalmist recognizes it as a storm. I mean, that's what that passage, right? Everyone loves that passage, right? Lo, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will feel no evil because thy, thy rod and thy staff, they guide me. What psalm is that? Oh, thank you. Someone knew it. <laughs> psalm 23. But it can be tough when we're out in the real world. I think of another psalm, Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. O my God, I trust you. Let me not be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you should be put to shame. Those who betray without cause should be put to shame. Make me know your way, O Lord. Teach me your path. Because... Cause me to walk in your truth and teach me because you are the God of my salvation. I await, I await you all day long. That's a, a psalm of trust. It's a form of, 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 of this trust is, is often we call hope, right? Because we've changed the word hope. Hope in the Bible is more like, I trust that this is actually going to happen. Hope is more like, and now society is like a wish. I hope this would happen. But that's not what the, the passage, the word hope in the Bible is more like, I trust you, God, this is going to happen. I put my hope in you. I put my faith that this is going to happen in you. We can trust in God because of the hope that we have in Him. That in the end, no matter how things go, what the storms look like, whether we perish at the end of the journey, there is a hope for the future. 
That's what Paul is resting on, right? Even though he knows he's got the storm he's going through now and the storm he's going to face there in, um, in front of Caesar, the hope that there's a future, a better future. So when I say I put my hope in you, it means I put my trust in you. I put my life in your hands. And we can put our trust in God. Have you ever thought about why? I mean, what's the Bible say God is? God is love, right? God who created us out of love. God who has a plan for us, if not individually, at least for us as a people, as a congregation. A plan for the future. He's given us, he says, lo, I go and prepare a room for you. There's a hope there that in the future we will be in that room, that dwelling place. He says, I, I like this. God has numbered the hairs on your head. I love that passage, right? Because it's not like he, not just he knows how many of them are. For some of you, that's easier to count than others. But that's not what it means. That's not what it says, right? It says, I have numbered them, which means I know which ones have fallen out and which ones are still there. I have numbered them. And he knows and he cares for you so much that he has numbered the hairs on your head. We can put our trust in him because of God who came down himself to live a perfect life. To be the ultimate sacrifice. He was the perfect lamb. And being the perfect lamb, he was beaten, crucified, and raised from the grave for our salvation. And we can put our trust in God. The question is, do we put our trust in God? Right? That's that's our next step is, is asking us, Where do we put our trust in God? When is it easy to put our trust in God? Where is it not so easy in our life? And there are areas in all of our lives where we have, well, I trust God in this area of my life, but this area of my life is not so easy. So we'll give an example. I trust you, God, with my house, but my finances... I'm going to put more faith in in something else, you know. But it can be more things like, I trust you, God, with my finances, but I'm not going to trust you with my sex life. And so we turn to other things, right? Like pornography, adulterous relationships, um, Abraham's wonderful example of this in the scriptures, right? God says, you're going to have a child. And he says it to him and Sarah. 
And they said, well, maybe we've missed the point. He didn't trust him with the sex life. Why don't you take Hagar? Which was perfectly legal at the time period. And it would have been technically Sarah's child because it was technically, because Hagar was Sarah's slave. But he didn't trust in God with his sex life. And so then we have Ishmael born, and you have instant fighting from even today out of this rela- that relationship. It's easy for us to say we trust God when it's going well in areas that it's easy for us to turn away and areas that we have done it before. But it's hard to trust God when things are difficult, when there's storms. I trust God with my plans as long as they're the plans I want to make, right? It's hard when God says something like, move across the United States to, La- to, to Laughlin. Oh, wait, that was me. I actually had me quit my job in, Ga- in Kentucky first. Then I had to move to Gallup without a plan without an idea what I was doing no job very little money all the money I had was going to moving moved in with my mother which is never an exciting event for us children we love our parents we just don't want to move back in with you and today's society we're getting more and more where we have to do that because you can't afford a house And then God said, well, I'm going to give you a job in a place you've never heard of before. I'm going to send you to Laughlin. So quit the job you're currently doing and move to Laughlin and become the pastor. Wow. That was trust on my part that scared me to death. My three kids and I have no job. It's easy to trust God when the storms are not there. Whenever the sailing is smooth. But it's hard to trust him when things when he asks you to do things that don't seem or make sense to you. Do we trust God that our meet needs will be met? I found that in most instances we disobey God. It's because we don't trust Him with that decision. We'll even look back at Genesis, right? Adam and Eve, right? They're in the garden. And God says, Don't eat of that fruit yet. I really do believe it was a yet. Don't eat of that fruit yet. And serpent says well and Eve said well and Adam said said, okay and they ate of the fruit because they wanted to be like God themselves knowing because they didn't trust God to say hey this ain't the right choice for you yet I want to be like God knowing right and good from evil God's lying to you they didn't trust him in most instances, when we disobey God, it's because we're not trusting Him. 
We don't trust him. We say, why? I don't trust that you have put the best path forward for the best life possible. Because I, I know you really just want me to be happy, right? Which means I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to be happy and not for the best life possible that God has put out for me. I just want to, I know that's what you So I think as we end this, the, the, the question we have to ask ourselves is what areas of our lives do we need to put more trust in God? Not is there an area. I used to ask that question. Is there an area of your life? That sounds silly because th- of course there is. If you don't know an area of your life that, that, that you need to tr- put more trust in God, then you probably aren't really asking the question. It's not is there an re- area, it's what area do you need to put more trust in God? What storm is he preparing you for? And then when we're in the storm, and some of you are in the storm. I know, I've talked to you guys. You guys are in the storm right now. And God says, you're going to make it through this until I call you home. You're going to make through this and it may not look like you want it to because who wants to suffer who wants to go through the storm who wants to go 14 days without eating Paul didn't but if you're going through the storm how can you put your trust in God right now And that may look different for different people. It may mean you need to get involved somewhere else and just be faithful where you're at. Some people, it means you need to get in touch someone else, get in touch with someone else and say, hey, I'm going through a storm. I need some help. Some people, it means I need counseling or even medication. These things are not bad. Where do we put our trust in God? Father God, right now I pray that, Lord, we know the storms are all around us. Whether they're storms of our own making because we don't listen, or storms that just because we're living a life in this world. But, Lord, we know that the storms are all around us. We pray that we may be faithful in them, before them, and after them. Lord, we pray that we may come together as a community and help each other through the storms of life. But Lord, we pray that we put our trust in you each and every day as we walk this life. Help us to be faithful to you and trust that you know what we don't for it to be the full life, the life to its fullest, as we trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, amen, amen. And thank you. We are continuing in that journey through in Acts where Paul is on his way to Rome. If you remember last week, there was a wind advisory out when they set out 
towards Rome, but they didn't listen to it. So they got blown 475 miles off course because that storm hit. That storm hit that was horrible. It was, they were caught out at the wrong time of the year. It blew it out. They were afraid they were going to die. They were in that dire situation where they were throwing things overboard to keep from going under the sea. Um, not to sing with Ariel, but to be in, and, and, and they were, they were, they were afraid they were going to be in this and they start praying for just daylight. They're not praying. They're just praying. And it's not like they're praying that daylight comes any faster. They know how long daylight is. It's not like they're stupid. We like to like make ancient people dumb in our eyes. Like they, they could have thought that the gods would bring daylight faster. No, that's not what they're praying that they survive till the sun comes up. They, know, they, they think they're getting close to land, but they don't know where it's at. This is a time, they're in darkness, in a storm. They can't see, and it's before radar, before, you know, your thousand watt light bulbs that are pouring out in the sea. It's dark out there. And that torch only goes so far. If they even had any fire going on after the storm. How many of you guys have actually been in real darkness? I'm not like, hey, my, the house went, lights went out. I'm talking about real darkness. You know, like Carlsbad Caverns or Mammoth Caves. Or, you know, they go in, you go in these caves and the tour guides always like to flip the lights off to show you how dark it is. And they flip the lights off and you cannot see your hand. This close. And we're talking dark. And before there was, you had the moonlight. This is during a storm, so the moon's probably blocked out by the clouds. There's no stars. There's no ambient light coming off except for maybe some torches, if you're lucky. Some gas, uh, gas torches, oil torches. It's dark. They're dropping... They're, they're taking measurements by fathom to see if they're getting closer to sand, which means they've got to wait on a rope, and they're dropping it down to, to see how far it, it whether. Well, it, we think we're getting closer to land because this one was longer than, this rope was longer than that rope was. And that's how they're, they're taking measurements. And some of you guys have sailed before, and you're like, that scares me because we rely on our radar a lot. And they're trying to get to shore, and they don't know what's going on. And they've been going 14 days without food, which is, like, unfathomable to us, right? We, we throw away more food in leftovers than we care to admit, right? And they're going without food for 14 days. The only water they have on board is the water they caught. Remember, it's salt water out there in the Mediterranean, so they can't drink that. You've got to have it in the barrels. So they're, who knows how much water they're drinking, but we know they're not eating, so they're probably starting to hallucinate at this point because that's what happens when you don't eat and drink. And they're... 
going crazy. And they said, well, let's, you know what? We're getting close to land. Let's get in these rowboats and head off towards where we think land is because we might survive that way. Let's run away from that. And there's 276 people on boat. And they didn't have requirements like we do today. Like, okay, if you have 276, you have to have rowboats for 276. They didn't do that. The prisoners, guess where they were going to say? On the boat. Well, this is your punishment. You're on the boat. You can stay on the boat. This is scary. This is trying. This is a test. And Paul, in this time, he gets a message from, from an angel, a messenger. And, it's, and, says, and God tells him, keep your cor- courage. None of you, because Paul has got to make it to, Caesar, to make it in front of Caesar, none of you are going to lose your life. Now, if you get off the boat, guess what? God ain't going to protect you no more. But if you stay on the boat with me, we're all going to make it. And none of you are going to be harmed. Because Paul must stand before Caesar. Now Paul's automatically, he's not just facing two storms. He's not facing one storm, he's facing two storms here. Think about this. Paul wants to go to Rome. He's been wanting to go to Rome for a while now. But now he's not going to Rome because he's you know, booked a trip and he's flying there and Southwest Airline with his packages and he is going there because he's a prisoner. And God says, you must be before Caesar. So the storm he's facing is the physical storm that's there, but also the storm that he knows that if he gets before Caesar, he could very well lose his life. I wonder what the temptation was for Paul there. I think he could just say, well, I might die in this storm here. I'll make it to Rome another way. I don't have to be in prison. How many of you guys would think you might choose that path? Or maybe you choose to get on the boat because no one likes to be in a storm where you ain't got no food. But Paul is told, have faith. Take up courage. Trust me, God tells him. That's an amazing amount of trust God is asking for. And as I read this passage, the the thing that I had to ask myself is, do I trust God like that? When things are going wrong in my life, do I trust God like that? Oh, it's easy to say I trust God while we're sitting here in the pew. It's easy to say I trust God when things are going well in your life. Well, of course I trust God, just as long as he keeps that hedge of protection around me. And he keeps things going well. But it's hard to trust him when his plans and your plans don't seem to match up. 
When it, you, you look at it and say, well, everything's going wrong in my life. When that person hurt me, and I don't know why God could allow such a horrible thing to happen to me. And I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. And I'm not saying it's, it's not a sin, and that person's not sinning. I mean, these people are in the, in the position in the first place because they didn't listen to the fact that there's going to be a storm coming. And Paul told them there's going to be a storm coming, and they didn't listen. But still, God has allowed them to go through this storm, even though Paul didn't want to go through the storm. You think he wanted to go? I think I'd like to go on a boat where I might die and where I'm going to starve to death. I, I, I don't think I remember anyone saying that. It's tough. It's hard. It's a struggle. And that's when it's hard and easy to say, I don't know if I can trust you, God. I don't know if I can trust you because you've allowed me to get hurt. It's easy to say I trust you when we say, every, when, we keep, when we're kept from harm. But when God allows us to be hurt, it's hard to trust. It's hard to trust. And that's why we have verses like in the Psalms where they know the struggle and they say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Not that, hey, though you took me on the bypass around death, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thy hand and thy staff and thy rod, they guide me through, through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm thought, I think of another psalm, Psalm 25, verse 1 through 5. To you, O Yahweh, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust you. Let me not be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you should be put to shame. Those who betray without cause should be put to shame. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Cause me to walk in your truth and teach me. Because you are God of my salvation, I await you all day long. This is a psalm of trust. And it's from that trust that we have the hope in salvation. We have hope in the life that's better. We have a hope that God has provided a path that leads to life in its fullest. Not just in the future, but now. And I'm not talking about that, the, 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 what we've made hope into in our, our modern word. See, in the ancient word, hope meant more than just a wish. Right now, we use hope like, I hope I get this for my birthday. Like, I wish, like, might as well be blowing out your candles, right? I hope. That's not what we're talking about. When we talk about hope in the Bible, it's like saying, my hope. I believe this is going to happen because I trust in God. So my hope, my joy, my my expectation is that this is going to come true. My hope is in it because I trust. My upliftedness is in it. 
Now, it's, I have a wish, and I think it might come true that someone's going to get me something on my Amazon wish list. No. I hope God has given me that I have, can trust God. Therefore, my hope is that he knows what's going on. I hope, my hope is that there is a place better for me. So when he said, I have gone to prepare a dwelling place for you, that there's actually a dwelling place for me, and I have a hope in that I will get to be in that room eventually. It's more than a feeling. It's a knowledge, a reliance that God will follow through with His promises. So we put our hope in Christ. It says we, when we say we put our hope in, in Christ, it means we put our trust in Him. Put our life in Him. And we can trust God, even though He allows us sometimes to go through it. I mean, just think about the very essence of who we know God to be. What's God say He is? He is love. So God who created us out of His love, not out of His jealousy, not out of His want, not out of His need because He's lonely, out of His love... He created us. He created us to love. And, and out of that love, that means He knows our heart's desires and has created a path to life away from the path of destruction that leads a path of life that leads to a fullness of life. A path... He's, he knows us so well that, that it, it says, he doesn't just say, I have numbered the hair. I, like, I know how many hair are on your head. Some of you, that's easier to count than others, right? <laughs> but it's, it's, the Bible passage doesn't even say that. It says, I know the number of the hair. That means I've numbered the hair on your heads. That means each one of them have a number and the one you lost, he knew which one that one was. So number 57 fell out. He knows you so well that he knows even the number of the hair that fell out of your head. And he said, I want to give you a life. That sometimes we have to go through, but we have to trust in God. God, who himself came down to live a perfect life, to be the ultimate sacrifice for us. To be the perfect lamb sacrifice, so that he was beaten and crucified. And raised from the dead so that we can have salvation. We can have full life. And so it's because we have to put our trust in God. So our, our question has to be is, is, is do we put our trust in the Lord? Do we put our trust in the next, in our Father? I used to ask the question like this, is where in your life could you put 
more trusting. Uh, is there a place in your life? Is there a place? That's a silly question. Of course there's a place in your life you can put more trust in God. Because it's easy to put trust in God in some areas of your life and not with others. And we see that throughout the scriptures. Even like Garden of Eden. One of the reasons, like, why did they take the apple? Because they didn't trust God. By the way, it wasn't an apple, it was a fruit. Um, but there's this tree in the garden, right? There's two trees in the garden. One's the one that allows you to live forever. One has knowledge of good and evil. God says, you can eat this one all you want, just don't eat this one. I really do believe it was a yet situation. But don't eat it yet. You ain't ready. Because he said it was good. It wasn't like it was an evil tree. It was a good tree. But anyways, don't eat it yet. And well, they said, well, serpent says, well, you know, you're not really going to die if you touch it. <coughs> Excuse me, my allergies are killing me. They say, we, you ain't really going to die. I said, well, it would be nice to be like God, right? Knowing good and evil, right and wrong. Because they don't really trust God that he knows what's best. That what he said, don't eat, that they really shouldn't eat it. And they make that decision. Well, I'm not going to trust you, God. I'm going to eat it myself. And then, guess what? They do know what's right from wrong, and they end up messing that up. And out the garden they go, that's in Eden. But we trust God. Many of our sins and lives is because we have not trusted in God. I trust God. You say, I trust God. I trust God with my, my house, but maybe not my finances. I'm going to put that one in the bank. Or maybe it's easy for me to trust God with my finances. I ain't got none. But my sex life, I'm not so sure if I can trust God with that. I mean, think about that. That one's in the scriptures too. Think about Abraham, right? Comes to Abraham and Sarah says, you're going to have a kid. Sarah laughs, right? Because she says, I, I'm way too old for that. Abraham's told he's going to have more kids. You know, his descendants are going to be more than the stars. And he's waiting, right? Waiting. And then, well, maybe God meant us to do it a different way. And so... Why don't you have relations with my slave? And her kid would technically be my kid because she's my slave. And it was legal at the time. So this is not like they were breaking the law. And now we have Isaac and Ishmael, and they're still causing problems because Abraham couldn't trust that God knew what he was doing. He didn't trust them with his sex life. I mean, isn't that where why we have like we can't trust that God knows what He's doing, so we we take our sex lives on our own hands, whether it be 
pornography or outside of sex, the, the relationship of marriage or, or because we don't trust that God actually knows what he's doing. Well, you know what, I don't do any of that. But there's another area in your life that you struggle with. I trust God at church, but I just don't trust him while I'm in, the st- in my car driving, right? You know, it's one thing to be a Christian in the church. It's another thing to be a Christian behind that steering wheel. I have got to go more than 75 miles an hour. It just cannot go that slow. Even though God says, obey the, the laws of the land, which means your speed limit too. But I can't trust that God knows what he doesn't really know. He doesn't he ain't live here. He doesn't know anything about driving. Well, I can't really trust that. That's a matter of trust. Can I trust God? So the answer isn't whether or not is there the question is where in your life you need to put more trust in God. And we're all going through storms at some times in our lives. Some of your storms will be worse than other people's storms. Because you've got a different path. Someone in your life hurt you. But that doesn't mean you can't trust God to give you the life to the fullness. It just means it ain't the way you want it to be. Does it make it right that they hurt you? Absolutely not. But it does mean that you can walk through this storm with God and trust that He's going to get you through it. And when we put trust on Him, it's not just the people that He's, it's not just Paul He saved. Your trust can show the world. In the darkest moments, your trust can show the world the light of Jesus Christ. Because Paul, in that moment, said, 276 of you will be saved. Now, do they come to Christ? We don't know. We don't know the end of that. But we do know that not one of them were harmed in the boat. Even though they were starving, even though they were uncomfortable, and some of them probably thought they were harmed. I got a thumbnail. God, you didn't keep your promise. I got a splinter. But when we trust in God, we point the way to Christ. And the number one way we can trust Him, the first way we trust Him is in salvation. To admit, I can't do this on my own. I can't work my way into heaven. I can't work my way into any kind of afterlife that does me any good. I've got to trust that He will lead me there. I trust that this path that leads to destruction is no good actual leading me to destruction. 
but you actually have a plan and a path that leads to righteousness. We trust in God. Father God, I praise you today, Lord. I pray that you just lift us up, that you put us in the palm of your hand. Lord, that, Lord, that I know it's hard for us to trust you at times in our lives. Lord, I pray that you, you help us to trust you even when it's difficult, even when we've been hurt, even when we're scared, even when we think, I'm not sure you know what you're doing, Lord, help us to trust you. Reveal areas of our lives where we're not putting our trust into you. Reveal the promises that you have spread throughout the scriptures. So that we may put our faith and our trust in those. That where you are, that we may also be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.